Okay, at this time, our first message will be brought to us by Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Lessons from Preparing for the Feast. Uh, thank you, Sean, and greetings, everyone. We are not going to say what my notes say. They say we're at the feast. No, we're not at the feast, but in a week we will be, give or take. I keep forgetting I'm in Branson in a week. Some of you used to be getting ready to travel on Sunday. But the feast is nearly upon us. It's not far away. A week will go by real quick, despite the fact I count how many days I'm actually going to be at work, how many, how, what I'm going to be doing in between, and all that. And there's many lessons we can learn from the Feast of Tabernacles, which we'll learn when we go. But there's another lesson I've never really thought much of until just recently, the last couple of years. You know, as we prepare for the feast itself, there's actually lessons you can even learn from preparing. There's parallels. There's parallels between us preparing for the feast and preparing for the kingdom of God and the wedding supper of Christ. And that seems to be the way it is in life. There's always parallels you can learn from the physical to make this with the spiritual. Just like as we travel to the feast and we prepare, there's struggles. Like, like I was telling uh, one time when you all noticed that, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of distressed because work got crazy all of a sudden, just for trumpets, and they were kind of iffy about letting me off, which they had to anyway, but you know, it doesn't matter what they think. But, and then it all settled out after I asked a few of you to pray for, pray for me, and I, we pray, I prayed for them because they had a crazy week. It all settled out. There's always struggles and always things that try to get in the way. And it's like a journey. That was going to be my theme. It's a journey. I have a wall poster up that I bought from Amazon. It says, and I'm not going to butcher this Chinese name. I'll just say his quote and be done with it. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And it shows, the poster shows it up, up, up on there. And it shows the Great Wall of China just going out as far as it could go in the picture. And it's a really beautiful picture and great sentiment, in fact. We always start from somewhere on our journeys. For some of us, it's been a long time on our journeys. It starts with baptism and our, our calling and baptism. I say calling because sometimes God, God calls us before we get baptized and gets that to process that way. Some of us have been in the journey for many years. I'm not looking at one specific person who's been in it, even though I am right now. But I've been in it for 33 years. I've known people who have been in it for five years. I think there was somebody who was baptized recently at one of the feast sites only five, a couple of years ago. We have somebody who has started the journey just recently toward the kingdom, Callie. She was baptized recently, recently so we got to see a, be honored with that. So we do have to prepare. Preparation's a big deal. You know, we have to prepare. We just don't walk into it. And I'm going to use an analogy, and I'm going to give Brian kind of a whiplash on this one, just a little. We're going to change up from Luke, so I'm going to use the analogy, which basically that we see Jesus uses a parable, and I'm going to use it to kind of stress the point, at least in the beginning, if my iPad will work. There you go. And it says in Matthew 22, for those taking notes, 22, 9 through 13, 
Matthew 22, 9 through 13. You don't have to put it up. It's just more of a reference. And therefore, and this is talking about the wedding supper where the guests did not want to show up. So, so the Lord says, then go to the, into the highway and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So these servants went out to the highway and gathered all and gathered together all whom they found, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was full with guests. But, the, but when the king came to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. And he says, so he said to him, friend, how, how did you come into here without a wedding garment? And the guy was speechless. So the king bound him up and threw him out in absolute darkness. He wasn't prepared. He was called to a wedding. He was called to be prepared. And he didn't have a garment. I'm not going to go on all the little details behind it. This is my prop. <laughs> I was telling someone, my dad, before his wedding, prepared me strongly because he didn't want any blue paws or disasters. He got me a suit. I can't believe he still made me pay $500 for it. That was like, ouch. But anyway, and he, he made, we practiced, we got ready, and then when the wedding occurred, we were ready. We were prepared. And didn't realize that one of my new relatives were going to videotape it either, and I got to be famous on film for five minutes or so. But preparation was a big deal. And so this is, and this is also true with the, king, with the Feast of Tabernacles. You can't just roll into Branson or wherever you're going and say, I'm here. You know, it doesn't work that way. And it's not like it's a surprise. Because I was talking to a certain individual in the kitchen, as I call it, a kitchen staff. Which is probably not the way I should. But anyway, and she said she gave a calendar for the next six years with the feast. So her boss knows exactly when she's off. So there's preparation there. And we do need to prepare. As far as the feast itself, we do need to prepare. We've got to have a place to stay. So we contact our motel or whatever we need. We save money. We go through our clothing. We've got, we're, out, we're out of the house for eight days, or eight to ten days, depending on how it looks at it. And we have to prepare for this. And it's funny that I told Steve last week, I remember in the, in the eating, our eating hall, I said, I'm ready for the feast today. No, I wasn't. Did you not notice? New glasses. They called in this week. That I had to have my, uh, for my insurance, had to do the blood checkup this week. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm sure fine. There's just lots of little things that still need to be done. But in our personal life, how do we, how do we prepare for the kingdom of God? Well, first, we must realign our thinking, if we haven't already done so, toward God's thinking. We see in Revelate, or, I'm sorry, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We see in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We say, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you pre present your, your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we must transform ourselves. We must work because I, I know we have discussions here about how the world is trying to do certain things and it's not right we should be aware of that we should transform to what God says and how do we do this well first we have a nifty little tool called the Bible and it's in 2 Timothy 3 
Uh, well, yeah, four, three, 14 through 17, when Paul kind of goes to Timothy about the Bible, to read this, it says, ready? Ready. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is definitely one of, a key component. And in verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every work. So we must be versed in the Bible. We must learn the Bible, internalize it. It's, it's almost like our GPS in life. And I was mentioning that to Maxine this morning. I, I thought it was funny. Last year, my GPS, I'm mentioning GPS, this thing decided to take me to down the country hills to get me to Branson. I found out that actually there was an accident on the highway, so I guess it made the adjustments because so, I couldn't see it. But it's like, good gravy, couldn't go for 25 miles per hour. It, it, it's like, like 25 to 30 minutes of literally just going through one city, one small city, if you call it a city, 25 people. I don't know if you call that a city, but whatever. Community and after another. And like I said, after talking to Maxine, I realized it was just protecting me from the, the traffic accident with the truck that I think flipped over or something like that on the highway, which would delay me more. But the Bible's a much better GPS. It doesn't send you off in the never-never land. And I've heard people try to go to Dallas, and it sends them off into other places it shouldn't. But we've got to use the Bible as a compass or a guide to help us in our lives. And we've got to study it daily. And we can't, and when I say study it daily, it, it is a process. It's a work. Because we see in 2 Timothy 2.15, we can't just, just walk into the kingdom. We've got to do this. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Be diligent to present, present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word. We must be diligent. It's like the feast. You know, you can't just, uh, for example, the motel this year. Uh, we already ran into this problem. Somebody wasn't diligent about getting a room, <clears throat> so we had to help them on something else. They wanted to be in the motel. It's been booked for three months or three weeks. I mean, they've got some kind of tournament going on right now, and that's why we have a change in our schedule. Who speaks next week and what time? Because there's a tournament going on. That place is full. If you haven't made a reservation before then, at least for the weekend. You're not going up there for the weekend. That ends it. At least to that fee, that actual motel. I mean, there's others. But you've got to prepare. You've got to be diligent. You've got to have the money. And I've done that before, too, when I wasn't diligent for the feast. I remember one year I went to Wagner, not thinking about the feast until like six weeks before. It was real fun to be able to camp out on the campgrounds all the time and barely get, make it through food and everything else. It kind of was learning lesson. Have money next time you go to the feast. At least the smokestack was a, was a pretty cheap place to eat. And that's true with the kingdom of God. We got to prepare ourselves. And how do we do it? We do what the word says. We keep the Sabbath. We do the Sabbath thing. We, as often as we can meet on the Sabbath, we meet so we can refresh and learn and do the things we need, get out of the world. We do the holy days like trumpets and 
Day of Atonement that's coming up in four days. As my joke goes, we don't get food and no one, I, Maxine doesn't have to make coffee for us. You know, it's all good. But, it, but in seriousness, they're very meaningful days. And they prepare us for the kingdom of God. The holy days do that as well. And like I said earlier, we can study and meditate and all that, but we can't save ourselves. We're not alone. We'll always fall short, but we have, a, we have God to be with us. So when the struggles come, we can go straight to God for assistance in our lives. We see in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 14. It says, therefore, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 14. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overcome you except such as is common to men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with temptation, we'll always make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can go to God. He will make it, even if temptation falls upon you, because it does, unfortunately, he will make a way of escape. Because I noticed, just to go back a little bit to my job, ever since the Feast of Trumpets, the world has calmed down. I mean, it's literally like we got everything out of the way. Now it's like back work to normal. And so he's, he helps us in our lives. And with the feast, I've known people who've had almost no money. And all of a sudden they get a bonus from work. Like a week or two before, it's like, oh, I don't know how we're going to afford this. And suddenly they get a bonus saying, hey, y'all did good. Here's a bonus. And they go, wow. You know, God is there to help us. He does care. It says in 1 Peter 5, Verse 7, Peter says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And my last point on that one would be on Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be excited for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. We can rely on Jesus Christ and God to help us in this life. You know, and, and then it's just awesome. Because, you know, we try to do what we're supposed to do and things go against us. And we go to God and say, hey, I'm trying to do what you said. And things are coming against me. And all of a sudden you pray and you maybe get some friends to pray for you. And all of a sudden, boom, things start to solve their own selves. And you, and, you think, and you realize it's God's hand. It's not me. I didn't do anything. God is there. And one of the beauties of life when we do struggle is that we learn lessons. For example, one lesson I learned, just break a little thought, is give the boss plenty of notice before you go to the feast. One year, I gave him three weeks notice, and I nearly saw his jaw drop. It's like, why couldn't you tell me earlier? <laughs> we need you. It's like, so I, you, know, you learn things. You learn how to deal with the feast. You have money set back. You have the room. Like I said, in my case, I go clothing shopping. I get suits. That's, how I, that's my spring cleaning, my clothing. Even though my, my job provides me uniforms most of the time, I still need some replacements. But we learn, and in life it's the same. We see in, in Romans 5, 2 through 5. 
that through whom also we have access by faith into, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces preservation and preservation, preservation. And this produces character, then character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in your, our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we learn. We learn from our, our chaos. We learn how to handle problems. We grow up, basically. We get character. And thing, you know, like, because like, I remember a lesson at Mr. Noble. I don't know who he is. I said something at the feast one time. I thought a problem was a problem. We'll just end it with that. I don't remember what it was exactly. And he said, wait till you're 70 years old. That which you think is a problem now will not be a problem. And you know what? He's right. It's like, oh, eh, big deal. And Because I did not know not to take that as serious as I did. And he says, as you get older, you learn that things work themselves out. You pray to God and all works out. And the beauty is God has a reward for us. So we endure all this stuff. We get, we get to the kingdom. God is going to reward us in this journey. We have a, a, a wonderful, we'll get to the journey. For example, I'll jump to the feast on this one. All this stress I go through before the feast that I get ready for, I realize something, that when I hit that motel room and, and lay down in that bed after I un unpack, or even if I do unpack, it's a different world. It's a different world than it was when I was at home. I don't have the stress of my job. I don't have my bills on me. It's rest. It's awesome. Of course, after eight days, I'm tired. I'm ready to come back and go back and deal with the stress. But it's nice to have the break. And God has a reward for us in the kingdom. And this is why we do the, go through the journey. I mean, besides, he tells us to, and it's best for us. But he also gives us a reward for our endurance. In James 1, verse 12. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the, Lord, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We get the crown of life. We're not just enduring to endure. We have a promise, which I'm not going to go deep into this. It's not the point of it. The last one, my concluding scripture would be Revelation 26, which you all know about. I think it's awesome. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has the plan. Okay, let me start that over. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But he, they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. To conclude, when you think about it, as you prepare, prepare for the feast, Plan everything out on a physical level. Think of it, think of the spiritual side of the matter when you think of your life as you are also preparing to get to the kingdom of God. In the, with the feast, you've got to get, a, if you're going someplace, it's a room, you've got to make sure you have money, you've got to make sure everything's set up, get everything going. It's the same with the kingdom of God. We've got to work on our character. God doesn't want to be with losers, as Ron Dart says. You know, he doesn't want to be with losers, so he's training us. He's working with us. He's building our character. 
we get to grow so that when the kingdom comes around, just like the Feast of Tabernacles, he, he says, hey, see, you're welcome. You're dressed right. So take a moment at this week to look at the bigger picture as well when you prepare for the feast. As Think about how it, like we prepare for the kingdom of God. And my last major comment would be that I may not see many of you after Day of Atonement. Of course, I don't know the Day of Atonement. I'm not always aware of everything anyway. But hey, <laughs> but I want to wish everybody a safe trip to the Feast of Tabernacles. I want to wish everybody, the, as we always say, may it be the best feast you've ever had.